Welcome back to the podcast. Glad you're along. Uh, get right to it today. I've got a couple things to uh, get off my chest, I guess, if you will. Um, trying to think of exactly how to begin. So let's just get right to it. Yesterday, uh, at some point, um, our fellowship was gathering and we just had an awesome day and I was just really stirred and encouraged and I mean there's just nothing like there's just nothing like transparency and freedom in Christ Jesus alongside others I don't mean dance around the room like woo praise the Lord yay clapping dancing singing I mean that's its own thing yes and you know that's right and necessary and good and I guess a facet of that, yes. But just, I guess, for clarity's sake, what we experienced yesterday was just a real intimacy of the heart of God for one another in prayer, in praise, in practicing some things about how we literally, I would like to say, serve one another in the, according to the things of the Spirit. Like, how do we position and posture ourselves in practice to become a people who hear the Lord speak? How we train our children to literally hear and respond to what the Spirit is saying to their friends or, or, or to anyone, to any one of us. Like understanding that like we need to practice these things. We need to train ourselves and we need to train our children and can't just presume that we nor them know how to do these things. And so we did a little of that yesterday and, and it was just an awesome time. I've just really felt the heart of God over some specific matters for the children especially and just, man, that that immeasurable desire that God has placed within me for our children to know Him. Like at all costs, God, may they know you as you are. Man, just, I, man, I'm not going to talk about that today, but it's just such a powerful thing to share with anyone else when you find a camaraderie in things of the Spirit, a unity of the Spirit of like, you know what? We're really in this together. <laughs> we don't see everything eye to eye. We don't agree on every point, nor ever, you know, we probably never will in every actual matter. I mean, it's an ongoing. It's why we need the Spirit. I remember it's probably been a year and a half now, at least a year ago. I just had this simple epiphany <laughs> for myself of like, until you disagree with a brother, the spirit is not even necessary. Along, like, brotherly love matters. I mean, if you're in a, in a gathering where you never get to a place where you disagree and, like, need something beyond yourself to unify you and, and literally bind you together, then I would say... Is that anything other than just the love of, of humanity, the love of the world even? 
you know, just the love of mankind that even in God's goodness we can walk in. Like, yeah, I mean, there's a bunch of scriptural things I'm thinking about that Jesus spoke to that exact matter, but I'm not going to go there either. So you're saying, well, where, well, gosh, Joel, where are you going then? Quit talking about everything you're not going to talk about. <laughs> okay, I, I apologize. I'm my worst critic, by the way. Okay, so moving on. I'm just thinking this morning, my mother called me after our meeting yesterday, and I was already stirred, and so it was just awesome. Um, I'm, I'm so blessed to have a mother, as I do, who has gone before me spiritually, and she's walked with the Lord for, you know, 50 years. and um, I'm just so blessed to have her as my mother. And, you know, she's prayed endless hours for me and my family. Um, you know, it's just, it's just an awesome thing. It's a very, it's very much a gift, um, her relationship with the Lord. And I, of course, have been encouraging she and my dad to listen to these podcasts. Not because like, hey, well, it's your son, like, you have to listen. Like, I just, I just am convinced there's, there's spiritual things within these buried deep within all of my talking. I think, you know, as a brother told me the other day on the phone, he's like, man, Joel, you know, I listened to such and such podcast you did the other day. And I'll just be honest. The first 20 minutes was just a snoozer. I mean, I was just like, come on already. (laughs) But the last 10 minutes were awesome. I'm like, okay, that's fine. As long as there was something if there was a nugget of truth buried within it, then I'm okay with that. Um, and I and I, I welcome criticism. I, he's the only one that's ever told me anything. You know, like it's not even negative. It's just it's just truthful. Like I don't claim to think everything I that comes out of my mouth is the awesome oracles of God, but I do believe they're hidden within there. They're they're within it. Um. And so, obviously, that's the goal. And so, in light of that, I was talking on the phone with my mom, and, and she had just, she and my dad had been listening, just beginning the What is Man series. Um, because when we were visiting them, I was trying to tell them, you know, that I really feel there's some great truths within some of this stuff that's coming out that, the, that God is teaching us um, here in Virginia and teaching me in my time by myself. Um, that's a real, uh, I don't know, just a real shift of understanding of, and perspective and, and a plunging to the depths of some things that I have known, but I've definitely not known to the extent that they seem to be, for whatever reason in this time and season of my life, and, and specifically with our families here, that God's just really revealing some, some deeper matters Within truths that, you know, in, in a certain increment, we have known. Um, and so I obviously want to extend that to whoever would listen. Um, and so fast forward to now, and they've been listening to the What is Man series that I believe. There's a couple things. There's several things. There's that first one I recorded, which is the Follow Me Call podcast. And then the What is Man and then the one that I need to yet record that's brand new, brand new, you know, to me, about the stuff in Hezekiah. And I believe those three things are like, for whoever would listen, 
like really challenging and really a reordering of thought towards matters that as Christians we say that, yeah, I do that. And so directly to that thought, my mom, after listening to the introduction in part one, I believe, she said, now I know you're probably going to tackle this, and this is ultimately probably where you're going with this series, but I have some thoughts and I have some questions. And like right now, I, I love questions. Like I may not have the answer, but like there's something within the answering. There's something within the, the pondering of a question that would do us all in the body of Christ quite good. Um, to be questioned, to like, I don't know, to just really explore our present understanding of scriptural and spiritual matters. And so what she asked in light of the study, in light of that teaching, if you will, is, you know, obviously we're talking about the reordering of all of creation and, and the functions of man, and our original purpose. And so she said, I just, you know, she said several comments on what she had listened to and basically said, again, I know that you're probably going to answer this in greater measure, but like she was basically paraphrased asking me in my words and opinion, like what is the kingdom of God? Like how do we really execute the kingdom of God, bring it to pass into the earth? And she's not asking me because she's ignorant. She's not asking me because she doesn't know. She was asking for the sake of dialogue and, and, and conversation. Um, because, again, she's, she's more mature than, than I'd, I don't want to say than I'll ever be because that, that would be minimizing what's before me. But she is not lacking or ignorant of that matter. So that being said, I mean, she and my dad both helped me greatly, goodness, 10, 12 years ago with a bunch of kingdom reassessing of like what that even is. And so I'm not trying to tell them something they don't know. <laughs> but for the sake of conversation, she asked that question. And I mean, like right out of the gate, I thought of two points. Like, and that's what I want to talk about this morning, just in a broad stroke like if we can imagine like this umbrella that's up in the heavens and and there's just two points there's there's many points but like if we could just pick out two points of of answering that question in a general sense just to kind of pull some things all together about my present understanding of the kingdom that Jesus talked about being here and now okay like what was he talking about? Because why did just his arrival on the earth, how come all of a sudden he could say, hey, the kingdom is here? Um, because that had to be a confusing uh, explanation of the kingdom because they would obviously ask and he would tell them in parable form in somewhat mysterious ways at times what the kingdom even is. And so as he began to kind of reveal that new and living way kingdom, the, the new covenant kingdom, of course, he established something. He drew that line and, you know, there's, there's a different demonstration of the kingdom now in measure as opposed to what it was then in measure. Okay, like we got to be clear. It's not, it's not this black and white issue. 
meaning it wasn't black and now it's white. Well, there is such a kingdom shift that now it's just not what it was. I would, I would, I would disagree with that. Um, especially with all the time I've been spending in the Old Testament, I see more and more and more and more similarities and attributes of what is to be now that was then in certain ways that have literally been entirely forgotten. So that being said, I answered it like very quickly. I felt like the quickening of the Spirit in me, like say, basically narrow it down to two points. And I was talking with my wife again this morning about it. Um, before I headed out that like I really feel that it's sim- simplified now okay simplified to like okay if we can only talk about this for an hour <laughs> what is the kingdom um, and so and I'd like to just like present this as as maybe a very concise answer to that question according to my present understanding which I know will continue to change and, and expand I, I know and if yours is more expanded than mine, that's fine. That's not just possible, it's probable. And so, if I could narrow it down to two things, and they're, they're of course, intimately acquainted and, and intertwined and, and wrapped up within one another, is the reality that, number one, God desires a people, okay? This is what I cannot shake, and this is what I'm working on with some other things, so I'm not going to go too far into it, but this is kind of like maybe we could preface what I've really been trying to compile to share in more elaborate form is the pattern of God is, is as we looked at in the What is Man series, is God created man in the likeness of himself and the counsel of God because God wants to work in a plurality. He is the Elohim of Elohims. There's no sharedness of that. He sits preeminent upon everything Every, every king, every, every god, <clears throat> excuse me, every ruler, everything. That's, that's, not, that's not arguable. But he does invite, that's scriptural to the, to the letter, he invites a council. He invites, and then goes, that extends into humanity. How so? As we talked about in the What is Man series, he extended his dominion and rule to mankind. He, he bestowed that to Adam and Eve. And of course we know to what? To multiply on the earth. What? Multiply what? The, the, the likeness of God himself in perfection. Like when it was finished, it was finished as we've said because it was absolutely perfect. Flawless. It lacked no thing. And so in light of that, he wanted and and we won't go through all the timeline, that's for the next thing, but his desire throughout all of Scripture is to have a people, is to have a set-apart people, right? Because what happened, I mean, God's dealings with man and his immeasurable patience and loving kindness and long-suffering literally blows my mind. The fact that we can become believers in this century and literally forget what we have, what we have, uh, I don't even want to say left behind, but like what God has delivered us from. It's like Lot's wife and Lot, okay? What happened? There's destruction and judgment coming, 
and and the Lord Himself sent angels to physically remove in bodily form, physically grab Lot and his wife and take them out of the city. Okay, they physically said, "You have got to leave. The judgment of God is coming. It's not for you. We are going to remove you and preserve you and deliver you." Okay, and and what's the pattern of the people of God? They forget. Forget, forget, forget. They do not remember the deliverance of their fathers. They don't remember the deliverance of those who went before them, and therefore they forget that they are only who they are because of God's deliverance and favor. So that's the pattern, right? Adam and Eve, from the very beginning, they are, of of course, deceived, but they willingly chose to abandon, forsake, and leave being the offspring of God. They did not count it as worthy and valuable and honorable enough to override their own selfish tendencies for what they, in deception, believed was the more. There was, they believed there was something more. Their satisfaction in God was too low. Their satisfaction in their identity in Him, even in their perfect, perfect, sinless state and condition, was not satisfying. It did not bring them enough pleasure to just be the perfect children of God. So, of course, right out of the gate, they forsake that, leave that, and they're no longer the people of God. It's the first example we have in the Scriptures. They are banished from the land in which God dwells, okay? They forsake their dominion, God's people. As of that millisecond, there was no people on the earth that were His. They came out from underneath His kingship, His lordship in surrendering dominion. Okay, so then we have all these patterns. Tower of Babel. People leaving, forsaking, forgetting, trying to attain deity, their own way, their own pattern, in their own strength. God frustrates it. He says, no, 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 you're going you're gonna to be like me. And y'all, this isn't the way. This isn't the way to become like me. So, you know what? I'm done with y'all. I'm done. And we'll examine that more at a later time. But So God decides to make a people. You know what? I'm starting again. I'm going to, in, in a sense... I'm going to recreate a people that are for me. This will be my nation through the faith of Abraham. What? I'm going to create an innumerable seed from you, Abraham. And of course, there's so many patterns, Messiah-esque patterns within that and all these things. We know, yes. So God creates a people, sets them apart. Delivers them, delivers them, delivers them. They turn, they come back. They turn, they come back. Okay, so I'm, I'm getting too far outside of my broad stroke here. So for the sake of simplicity and, and keeping things a little more contained, the pattern. Okay, let's just remain in that pattern. Jesus came for what? Jesus came to purchase a people. He came to reestablish a people of God on the earth. Okay? Israel, we know, for the most part, missed it. 
Okay, now it's been extended to the Gentiles. It's been extended to every man, all men. Come into the family of God via what? The firstborn of many brethren. The brethren are the people of God. God's house, God's building, God's tabernacle, God's dwelling place in men. Plural. Okay? So, okay, so let's just stop there because... I'm just going to I'm going to go all morning. Okay, so let's just stop there. So number 1, we could say what is the kingdom of God? I believe uh, if we just choose two points out of many, I would say one is the kingdom of God is a people. It's a people. It is a spirit-led Jesus Christ Holy Spirit indwelt Yahweh God himself tabernacling with men within them. A nation of set-apart, consecrated, holy people on the natural earth. Because again, God did not remove us nor rapture us when we became in Him. He wants to indwell a body. He wants to possess physical bodies on a natural earth. That is His pattern. So that's number one. Number two. I said, I believe he wants those people, the number one people, <laughs> to establish and walk on earth as it is in heaven. And not just hyper-spiritual, not just walking around looking for demons, not walking around claiming everything they see because, hey, I'm an heir, I'm a king. No. People who, as Jesus, who are his people, who are God's people, walk executing on the earth what they see and what they hear in heaven. Okay, well, what does that mean? Jesus was a natural man. He was God in the form of man. He was not Superman, super deified, walking above what we walk in. He walked as we walk. Tempted in every way, a man of suffering, a man of sorrows. I'm, I'm going to make this point till my last breath. He was a man of suffering and a man of sorrows because he went his whole life denying his fleshly tendencies. How hard is it, y'all, to give up anything, to deny yourself of anything you want? How excruciating is that? Even as a spirit-led believer, is that not taxing and tiring, even fueled by the spirit? Why? Because it opposes everything within the Adamic nature that is humankind. And that is what Jesus equally bore. Fully God, fully man. And so, in like manner... We have got to become a people who execute the dominion of God himself on the earth once more because we are a set-apart people who actually know the heart of God. I mean, for real, know it. Not walk around with signs saying what God hates and what God despises and posting things all over the internet to make sure everybody knows what God thinks is vile. No. 
It's a living demonstration, y'all. It's, it's, it's being beings that demonstrate a kingdom government that is not and cannot be contained within the governments and kingdoms of men. We've got to get that through our heads. We're talking about a government of God not seen here and not made to fit the boundaries and parameters of our natural kingdoms. We're not trying to undo national kingdoms and domains in the sense of make Jesus sit upon them. We're trying to establish a kingdom that cannot fit within the boundaries of the kingdoms of men. It's, it's so far above that, y'all. And it will absolutely oppose everything down here, as it did with Jesus. Why was it hated? Because it flew in the face of every single thing, believer and non-believer. It was offensive. Not for the sake of offending, but because it was, it, that is the black and white. Jesus said, you know what, your kingdom is black. I'm saying no, white. And few embraced it, and few will today. It's exactly the same. So number one, what's the kingdom? I believe it's a people, a nation, a set-apart, holy people who literally know and believe they are the people of God. Like in faith, not just believe, believe, okay, I'm, I'm God's child, no, I believe it. I mean like scripturally, doctrinally, spiritually, no, I, I'm the offspring of God. I am in the lineage and heritage and bloodline of Jesus Christ the Son. I have been made in His likeness, recreated to my original purpose. And number two, what is that original purpose? To walk in dominion. To wherever I place my feet, this, my friend, is holy ground. I am the temple of God. I am the ark of God. I am carrying His glory. I'm carrying the Shekinah glory of God within this temple of flesh and bone because it's been regenerated and rededicated and consecrated and set aside. I do not bow my knee to the kingdoms of men. I do not bow my knee to the government of man and of this earth, which is under the authority of the evil one. I don't do it. I will not do it. My children will not do it. Our fellowship will not do it. We will be a kingdom of priests and kings and followers via the way, the lowly way of Jesus the Christ, the upside-down kingdom. That is what we're going to be. And I believe those people can and will usher in the kingdom of God. In a sense, and I don't mean this arrogantly, but it has to. That will be the fruit. It has to produce that. Because that's what God teaches us in the scriptures. That is his pattern. It has to produce fruit of the kingdom. Because it's his design, not mine. It's his design. So friend, are you in, his, are you, are you in the nation of God? Are you his people? Not are you his person, 
not are you just his ambassador going out doing your thing, but like, are you a member of the people of God? The plurality of the kingdom. I cannot be the kingdom in the kingdom of God any more than I could be a kingdom of the kingdom of men. What kind of a kingdom is made up of one man? That's not a kingdom. That's a guy trying to do something by himself. A kingdom is a people who says, this is what we represent. Our banner is Yahweh. When you see us, you see Yahweh. It's not just me, brother. It's me and all these guys behind me, so you better take notice. We are a kingdom of priests. We are a kingdom of set-apart people. And our God is Yahweh God. Period. And I believe that. I, re I, I really do. That's why we exist. We don't exist to be good Christians. To do Christian-y things and just win people over by, you know, well, I, I you know, come to church, brother. No. Good gosh. It's time for us to do some spiritual matters in unseen places. So may we do that today. Let's establish the kingdom of God. Let's give ourselves to understanding first and foremost what that even is. And then let's be a people who give ourselves and our time and our efforts to do it. So that the kingdom of God can come back to the earth again. On earth as it is in heaven. Amen.